Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place where we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your host. I am Pastor David. We got James hey. and Pastor Caesar. Yo. And today we got a special guest. We got Vaughn Juan in the house. What's going on, guys? Hey. Good, good, man. How's y'all's week been? It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. You know, post post election, you know, well, I mean, I know this. You know, I don't want to get no, into yeah, all let's that. Not go there. But uh, I'm just. I'm just glad we're we're gonna we're reaching some kind of final conclusion, even though you know you know it's still gonna be weeks and yeah, weeks. We'll see about whatever. final. Yeah, I'll say something about the election, oh. even though we're not going on it. Well, you're the bearded wonder. You whatever. Can do that. I've heard so many Christian people once they decided like Biden was probably gonna win. So before the election, it's always it's all them like subtly passive aggressively being like, you know, we we one one person is pro abortion, one's not, you know, so you make the decision who you but they won't ever say just vote for Trump, vote for whatever. And then uh after the election but they're all like pushing it to you the whole time. Subtly all passive aggressive. But then after the election, looks like Biden's gonna win. And now it's all, well, is your faith in God? You know, God's in control of the country. <laughs> Where was all that before, before the yeah. election? Come on. It's so annoying. Every time I hear any little snippet of it after the election, I'm like, dude, you don't deserve to be talking at all. You sh- if it w- It's either you got that all the time or just get out of here with ah, it. Sheep, like, bunch of sheep out there. You know, and it's like the whole corona thing, right? It's like I was I was super, I, I was just just perplexed at the amount of like scientists that I have on my friends on Facebook. Like they, were, they all turned into scientists and just like this uh, election yeah. thing, they're all, they're all poly sci majors. I was like, you're friends with a bunch of scientists? Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, scientists. Flatter, scientists. scientists. <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's the satchel bone? <laughs> I'm telling you. That's just an ongoing joke over here. Right, when right, we get Get some merch. I'm doing something with flat, flat Earth. Earth. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we, well, hey, well, last anyway. week, James, we did your podcast with your band. You launched, you, you, you launched the album. How does it feel with all the work happening, and then finally just letting the public have it, and then just the weight coming off, and just seeing what happens. I know one of the things that when we was dropping albums, you had to wait for so long to start getting the statistics back, and yeah. that's kind of like, okay, how's it doing? Those yeah. Well, things. I mean, as far as that kind of stuff, like you can just look on. Uh, I mean, you can look on Spotify, see how many monthly listeners and like stuff like that for it. So other some platforms you can get a bunch of stats real quick. Others you can't. Um, but I mean, we're still like we're just barely starting out. Like nobody knows us yet, so it's right. not like I'm not expecting a bunch of stuff. But it felt good to finally be you know done with right, it. Right. But it's like now there's so much promotion and stuff. You know, I've been working. I've been sending emails for days, and right. I'm not I'm not like a tech guy, so it's just so many emails. Is that that kind of work, that like office kind of work, is like my least favorite kind of work in the world, and I've been doing that in every second of my free time too. Right, but and that's some of the that's some of the most important. But part I mean, of somebody's got to do it, yeah. man. And then we're just we're trying to get ready for the show that we're gonna have here on December third, and still figuring out all those details, having practices and stuff. So it's like there's still so much to do. It's not really like all right, I did it. Now I can sit down and. Right. Be done. It's like there's still tons of stuff. To I'm do. pretty sure the comps are going to come out for that. It, like, dude, I hope so. I, yeah, me I hope too. they come out. I hope. Uh, I hope somebody writes a story about it, and it'll be great, man. Yeah. So, so Vaughn, two things. So, I described their the sound of Houston indie rock. Yeah, crash lands into the Virgin Islands. 
Ooh. So it's got a really cool, uh, cool sound to it. So I quoted you on that too, you, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> in, nice. a, uh, in a bio. So thing. as a as a uh, a young band uh, artist coming up, what's some advice you could give him? You've been in the game for twenty yeah. years now. Yeah, we'll take. Man, it. Man, I think the the industry continues to shift and it changes on how you reach people. And I think the thing I'm noticing now, instead of trying to go out and find a bunch of new fans and a bunch of new listeners. Take the ones that you do have and treat them extremely well. Yeah, you know, treat good. them so well that they go tell everybody else about it and they become the trumpet. Yeah. They become your marketing campaign for you, man. So, you know, just make sure that you're giving them all the exclusive sounds, exclusive mm-hmm. music, emails, phone yeah, yeah. calls. I mean, let them fall in love with you yeah. and let them go out and spread the word. So that that's the main thing. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. We're, we're excited about the show today. Today we're going to talk about... Uh, Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz being fired. We're going to talk about Saved by the Bell and their reboot. Mm. And oh, then uh, we got Pastor Vaughn Juan here today. So we're uh, super excited about the Kelly conversation. Kabowski. Yes. So let's just jump Lisa right Turner. into <laughs> Right into the culture corner. Oh, man. Listen, Lisa Turtle. <laughs> Lisa oh, Turtle. Yeah. No, screech, nobody? Anyway, we'll hey, get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, Pastor Caesar, what you got today? Well, well, my story, It's uh, I'm not happy to bring it to you. And, you know, we're not TMZ. We're not some tabloid or anything like that. But this is definitely pertinent to uh, to Christianity as a whole. Uh, Hillsong pastor, Hillsong New York pastor, Carl Lentz, um, <clears throat> he was, uh, he was uh, ejected. He was booted. Uh, from the church's organization uh, because of some moral failures. That's what the official statement was from um, uh, Brian Houston, senior pastor of Hillsong in Australia. Um, and that's where they left it. If you look at how they um, you know, how they parted ways with him, is in grace and love. It was the way that you should do those kind of things. Um, really, really good. Uh, you can see there's a lot of wisdom in his leadership, which is I thought was great. It was graceful. Um, but Carl Lentz then came out a day later and he confessed that it, that the moral failure that they were talking about was, uh, infidelity. Mm. And, uh, and just a couple of days ago, more information came out on what all that really meant. Uh, he was in a relationship for five months with a, um, a 34 year old woman that is, uh, they, they only have her first name, uh, Rannon. Is her name? Um, she is uh, actress, uh, fashion designer type personality kind of thing. Anyway, um, but an interesting thing that I saw on an article is that she's actually um, she's uh, deeply in the Muslim faith. Wow, which is one thing, you know, and uh, and he's a mega church pastor. And, and anyway, so five months. Let me tell you that Jezebel spirit, <laughs> Solomon. <laughs> It crosses every religion. And, 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 yeah, and you know, and if and if you don't know Pastor Carl Lentz, he's he's the, most famous for for baptizing Justin Bieber. Justin, no, not a fact, not a fact, right? Everybody says that he he baptized Justin Bieber, but then I seen um, that was the marriage. No, it was the, the baptized in the in the marriage? It's what he said that he didn't do it. It was the guy out in. Uh, California Judah that, Smith Judah, Judah, Smith, Judah Smith officiated the wedding but but I think the bapt he did baptize but we can go back and check like that photos one photos of it he definitely yeah, baptized yeah. like some NBA players yeah, and stuff sense. like yeah. that he's like, got a lot of those New York uh, yeah. people over in his church because yeah. just where he's at anyway so, you know Sorry. So, so celebrity pastor 
Um, for sure, celebrity. Uh, and uh, sure. if you've ever looked at him, he's he's uh, definitely a handsome fellow. He's not ugly looking. I think I'm confident enough in my masculinity to say that about another man. You know, he <laughs> he really takes care of himself. He's groomed, and he uh, he has a magnetic personality to boot. So he is. Uh, um, I, I, I can't even really verbalize, but he's easy on the eyes, if I could say it he like that. He puts the work in the gym. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, and he shows it off, too. He, mm-hmm. he's, too he, much. Yeah. Too much. And uh, But anyway, that's that's a whole other story. But what's interesting about all of this um, is, is uh, man, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of complexities in this because, uh, you know, you look at his social media feed, and, and, and he came out with the response, and he said, yes, I, 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 I cheated on my wife of 17 years. He's got three kids, and... Um, and he was in this relationship for five months. Now that came to light because the woman on the uh, that he was cheating with said, "There's another side to your story here." You know, it wasn't, and she said um, that she said, "I, I, that I just wasn't in the relationship for the sex, and neither was he. There was a romantic relationship where love was there, and and wow. and she she asked him because she didn't know." His celebrity, which is kind of for me, that's kind of hard to believe. But she's she's a confessing Muslim, not in the Christian world or whatever. Whenever she met him, she says that he said it's one of those. He said, she said uh, that he was a sports agent. Mm, Nice. That he was a sports agent. He only gave her her first uh, his first name, not anything else, because he wanted. They were in love, but she didn't know his last name. Well, Mm. in in, in the beginning, Mm. in the beginning, but then they later found out after a few dates or something like that. Then it all came to light that he was married, but they still continued on with the relationship and. Yeah. So anyway, he was. She didn't just do a Google search on the dude's name. Right. At any point, there's no way. Everybody does that in the social media yeah. age. Yeah, and anyway, it was. It, it's just one of those things to where there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of complexity to it because he was a pastor uh, for a church, and then taking just even even taking a celebrity out of that for a second. Whenever uh, whenever you are you have the burden of being the leader, the leadership of that church, and you're the the highest. Uh, 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 office in that in that assembly right in that community you 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 do have a moral obligation to uphold uh not only biblically but but there's people that are following you and uh, this is definitely going to hurt that congregation it's going to hurt christianity um um and i just hope people um people can find god in all this and heal and um and uh, yeah but like social media has just been crazy with him because you got you got all the christian celebrities that are chiming in and saying, you know, hey, 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 brother, God's grace is there and God's this and that, which I, I get it, I understand, but what I don't understand from there, well, yeah, pastors have a, have a calling and they have a biblical mandate on them and they don't get treated like a congregant by God. Yeah. They had, it's a, you know, read first Timothy, you know, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all there. It tells you, this is what your requirements are. So, um, just interestingly enough in Hillsong, cause Hillsong, I, I, it's known for many things, but primarily the music, the movement, all that. One of the wives of somebody that's very instrumental in that, in that movement that helped build that church in New York city from Australia, they commented and they said, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't feel sorry for you. Wow. They said, "I don't feel sorry for you. You were you were dealt a good hand. Mm. You were dealt a good hand, and you squandered it." Yeah, I'm telling you, it's tough, man. Once you start getting that that power and that fame and all that stuff, it, it sets in after a while, and and you feel like you can do anything. And I mean, you've seen all the the failures of all these different leaders that 
just this year yeah. that's been that's came out. We we've covered some of them. So you know they've had Hillsong has had some tough times in, in New York, but they I read a story yesterday or heard a story yesterday that they've also uh, just hired their first black lead pastor for a, a church launch they're about to do here in the United States. I think it might be in a in Atlanta. Nice. Uh, so they super excited about that. Yeah. That they were asking him about being the first uh, black pastor, and he was very clear that Hillsong has many black pastors, but mm-hmm. he was the first lead pastor that they've yeah. uh, launched a church with. So, stuff. yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's too bad, but, I mean, I, I think it's important to remember, like, all the good that Hillsong's done. I mean, like, pick a church anywhere that doesn't play at least one Hillsong song. I oh, mean, yeah. that's yeah. tough to find. Yeah, you, you know, know Hillsong or Elevation right now, you, yeah. they're going to be the top of the charts. every church in the world just yeah. about, at least one song, you know, so. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and I get that as well, and that's why if you get a chance, go and look at Brian Houston's official response on on what happened and, and how he dealt with that, because he, he talks about how faithful they were and, and how he believes that with uh with the season of just healing and, and and God ministering to them that he believes that that uh that God is going to use Pastor Carl Lentz again um but he's got to get some things to taken care of but it, it just won't be with Hillsong Church and mm. I I don't find fault with that no yeah. I mean I mean you, you burn me once you know type of thing yeah. uh I I see probably them flying him to Australia and do some counseling and stuff with them I, I don't think they'll just say hey good luck and and go just by the who they are, um, so yeah, yeah. We got to just keep praying for these leaders in in in, in the church uh, these days across the globe because it, there's a lot of pressure. And I talked to my wife about it, and she was just like, "The minute I die, you know, I can already see him swarming." And I'm just like, <laughs> "Not this ugly face." And she was just like, "It's not about how you look. It's not about what you do. It's about the position that you hold that attracts, you know, females." I, I got to a that. thought on that though. And my thought on it is there's so much pressure involved in pastoring. I see it as an opportunity for escape. Mm. Mm -hmm. And when those guys finally get to a place where they're like, you know what, man, I'm done with trying to fight it off. I'm done with trying to Mm -hmm. walk this walk. I'm going to go ahead and lay lay down with somebody. If I get caught, I get caught. If I get caught, that means I, I get away from all the pressure. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of these guys deal with, man. And they when they're ready to take an escape, that's when you see that fall happen. Right. And, that, and Carl Lentz, he, he commented on something along those lines, and he says whenever you're leading from an empty place, mm. you just you, you lose sight. You know, you yeah. lose focus. And, and, uh, and, and you know, y'all, y'all know this very, very, that this is a very true statement is that whenever you are in that seat, it, your your friendship circles like your close friends it it there's very few yeah it's a very mm-hmm. lonely road we talk about uh, Robbie Zachari- uh, Zacharias he said some of the same things that went before his you know his failures and stuff uh, came out so yeah it's tough um man what was I, go- I was gonna say something else I I guess that we'll just keep on moving yeah keep on moving. yeah we'll keep on following the story keep praying I mean it's uh you know it's we move in grace. We move forward in grace and in love, and uh, and we uh, we do what we can. But yeah, it's just a, it, it's a sad it's a sad thing. There's there's no winners here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, last week we was talking about um, some different things. James brought up um, what what was it that we were talking about? I don't remember how it came up, but I brought up the the Dr. Dre divorce. Oh with, yes. Uh, yeah. So about okay. what his wife was wanting to get from him on his divorce. Yeah. So this has been like a little over a month ago. I, 
I think it's about a month ago, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, so him and his wife of, uh, I think it was 24 years they were married, something like that. It wasn't a short marriage. Before the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah before the money and all that Be- stuff. Before his PhD. They yeah. just uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they just got a divorce or filed for a divorce not too long ago, claiming irreconcilable differences. And uh, so she was suing him, though, and suing him for... Uh, two million dollars a month, mm. and uh, how did they word that? Oh man, what do they call that? Alimony? No, but it wasn't alimony. Anyway, she was saying she needed uh, two million a month, and uh, when you ask for that kind of money for a divorce, you have to say what kind of uh, itemize like, it. Yeah, like why do I need this much money? I need this much for this and this because much he's for worth that a billion. Everything. That's why. Yeah. So on her, some of her expenses included. Um, $135,000 a month on clothes, $20,000 a month on phone and email, free email, I don't know, anyway, $10,000 a month on laundry, and uh, $900,000 a month on entertainment. Mm. There's also a part in here for charitable contributions. That's $125,000 a month. So, I mean, I guess that's nice. What a philanthropist. Yeah, but... uh, (laughs) End of the story is she did not win. <laughs> she also <laughs> she also was saying that he needed to pay uh, five million for all her uh, lawyers' fees and stuff for the suit. And anyway, she lost, so she's not getting that money. A he month. said he said Suge Knight out. She claimed that in their uh, in their divorce, she he kicked her out of her. Uh, some house in LA and so so she had to live in the house in Malibu because they've got like five houses and it was just all that kind of stuff but the internet was blowing up about her uh, cost expenses so it said something about her laundry right laundry uh, laundry and cleaning $10,000 a month $10,000 a month did it say how much for like buying new clothes New, yeah, just it was like a, it was over a hundred k. Yeah, it was a hundred thirty five thousand. So if you need a hundred thirty five thousand for new clothes, why you need to wash anything? It doesn't seem like she's washing anything. But yeah, tw- the thing that a lot of people are doing with a twenty thousand month on the phone, which everybody is always the thing that everybody says is like you can have the most top of the line phone plan. You would have all the top of the line phone plans, and no, there's yeah. no way you're spending more than. A and a new phone a month, every maybe. month. You get a new phone every month too. Man, and it's an email. Man, I got some draws that are like ten years old. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time anybody paid money for email? Oh, anyway, she needs twenty grand a month for it, but she is not getting it. Unfortunately for her, did it say how much she was getting? She didn't get it. They she's they just said she lost the the claim. Wow. He needs to write that million dollar check and just move on. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know what to tell you. She deserves you, but, something, but not that. She not, she's not getting two million a month. It turns out. All right, and well, she's got to pay for her own lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Goodness gracious, man! Wow. They get they get greedy out there. Up next, we're going to talk to pastor, artist, visionary, entrepreneur, and my friend Vaughn Juan. All right, 
for our listeners in India, Dubai, Russia, Texas, Oklahoma, California, Nevada, Missouri, Maryland, New York, and South Carolina. Mm. Come on, somebody. Oh, man. I just had to, just had to flex on them real quick. Flex. Had to flex on them real quick. Shout out Dubai. Dubai. Worldwide. Tell us, for all of our listeners in yeah. all those countries and all those states, tell us who you are. Man, I am a St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Island born young man that got a great opportunity with my family uh, to move to the southeast side of Houston, Texas and grow up and learn what football was and what sports were and just happen to be real good at them. And, uh, man, ended up getting a full-paid track and field scholarship to Rice University. Dunking on them from the free throw hey, line. Dunking from the free throw line, doing <laughs> doing crazy things like that. And, uh, man, was just able to travel and, and learn a lot, you know, going through the college system there and uh, becoming an NCAA All-American, you know. So, man, my family, just being from the islands, really took education seriously. You know, my father, they never wanted us to come home with bees and things like that. So it was always pushing to – um, strive to be great, man. You know what I mean? And uh, started doing music the summer before my senior year in high school. Fell in love with it. You know, I had a group called the Playboy Click. You know, a ton of guys. We're going to the nightclubs and car shows and uh, really just pushing, man, at a time in Houston where the rap scene was, um, you know, growing. You know, at one point, Houston had the largest rap market in the world, man. You could go platinum without even leaving the city. Yeah. So you had guys that were doing really great things, getting multi-platinum uh sales and, and record deals and these are guys we were coming up with man so um when i got to rice you <clears throat> know great opportunity ended up injuring my knee right before i graduated and uh my father also passed away around that same time um so just losing my sports career losing my father just kind of put me in a in a state of depression man made a bunch of crazy decisions went from just smoking to doing all kind of drugs man partying and just you know really not having a uh, any value on my life you know uh, coming home from a concert one night um, in 2006, got stopped by the police, tased multiple times, and actually, um, exactly 14 years ago, you know, from this month, man, tased multiple times, and uh, call that night shock therapy. You know, it was the wake up call I needed to just become a better man, become a better husband, become a better father, and uh, man, from that point, you know, just started to get back in the church. Uh, my wife's uncle ended up being a pastor, and uh, he kind of took me under his wing. Uh, let me use the youth building at the church. I wanted to start the same energy I was putting into promoting nightclubs and uh, throwing parties and things like that. I started using it to do these Christian hip-hop events. I uh, started off calling them Third Thursdays, and once a month we do an event, and we call them Fourth Fridays. And, man, it's 50 people, 200 people. Even some months it would be over 300 people. And in that time frame, I um, was offered my first youth pastor position. And uh, doing music this whole time, doing missions trips, doing events. Um, and then after about three years of doing a youth pastor role, um, was given an opportunity to become a campus pastor at a church and start a congregation that would appeal to the urban community. You know, here's this white church um, that's doing outreaches, but when people get to the church, the outreach folks don't look like the people at the church. Um, so this pastor, Pastor Don, he had enough insight to say, hey, let me create an atmosphere where these people can thrive. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to start a Saturday night service, um, ordained me and my wife as pastors, and uh, that turned into a Sunday morning service. And in three years, we grew it to, you know, a congregation that was running over 300. And, uh, man, but, you know, at that point, we just felt like, you know, we wanted to spread our wings. Um, so we stepped down from that, and uh, I went and got an opportunity at KSBJ, which is a Christian radio station here, one of the top Christian radio stations in the country and the world. And uh, they wanted to really grow their 
second station, which they call Engine, you know, the now generation, uh, which focused on Christian hip hop and things like that. And they thought I'd be a good fit to help lead the marketing. Um, and man, it was blessed, man. We went from just having more of a, a local signal to purchasing a $10 million signal that could reach the entire city. Um, did a billboard campaign, 14 billboards at a time, redid the website, redid the app, and was able to, as a Christian rapper, for me, it was, you know, I always did everything I could to help the Christian rap scene. So to be able to be intricate in the piece of bringing a $10 million signal to the city, I felt like, you know what, you know, that was a, I, I still hang my hat on that. I still wake up in the morning, turn on the radio station. It's dope to see all the artists that are getting play. And I mean, when I was there, they really didn't play any Houston artists. So now today you can really turn it on. You're seeing the Houston guys getting played uh, from Austin Lanier, Fire World Rejects, and um, a lot of those guys, you know, Lucky Luciano now, you know, so, <clears throat> you know, it's been beautiful, man, to see what God's doing. And in the midst of that, um, I was there about two years and Hurricane Harvey hit. And the city was underwater, you know, and, um, you know, when, when the water started to go down, I drove down 1960. I was living in the Kingwood area. Um, Starbucks was closed. Walmart was closed. All the stuff was closed, but no one was complaining. The only thing people were complaining about all over the world was that Joel Osteen hadn't opened the doors <laughs> yeah. to Lakewood. Yeah. Uh -huh. But that was kind of my eureka moment because it was like, man. Starbucks is closed and the white people ain't even complaining. You know what I mean? So <laughs> this is serious, right? So went to my wife and kind of shared that with them. We're like, man, you know what? We want to dedicate our life to something. I was considering going to law school. I was considering business school. But I said, man, for these next 35 years, 40 years before we retire, if we're going to pour our life into something, man, let's, let's do God's business, man. So we started um, focusing on planting Fellowship Houston. And, uh, Man, we started reaching out to family members and doing interest meetings and vision nights. And we linked up with an organization called the ARC, Association of Related Churches, which really pours into church planners. They've planted over a 1,000 churches over the last 10 years, have a 94% success rate. They help you with coaching, resources, and money. Amen? Ooh, yes. Um, and people don't understand that, you know, church is church. It's spiritual, but there is a kingdom business side to it. And um, you can't just make church happen on faith. Amen? Because the light company is not going to accept on, your faith. On. Amen? <laughs> um, so, man, we, we launched... They teach you to launch big. So some, you know, back in the day, you know, everybody started churches out their living room. If you do that route out your living room, you have a 40% chance of success. Mm. But with the ARC, they teach you to launch big. Statistically, on that first Sunday, no matter what you do, if you have 500 people show up, that next week you're going to have 250. The next week you probably have about 200. If you have 100 people show up, that next week you'll have about 50 people. So you always got to, the bigger you can launch, the more success you have, a chance of being great, man. So they just teach you those principles, how to launch big and, and just take the steps to be great, man. And we launched with 430-something uh, people on our first Sunday and then uh, following weeks again, and we landed, man. So after the first couple of years, we were running about 250 every weekend, man. We've seen um, over 100 people get baptized in water, over 1,000 people raise their hand, make public confessions to Jesus, man. But over the years, man, it's just been just a lot of growing. And uh, But you know, husband... You know, uh, father of four beautiful kids. Me and my wife met in high school, met in the choir, and, and uh, we've just been rolling tough since then, man. And we're excited about just the church. We love ministry. I still love music, so I'm still producing music, still helping other artists. And, uh, man, just got a dream. I feel like God put me on earth to create faith-based media. So I love what y'all are doing here, man. I think anything to expand in the media direction, podcasts that are inspiring people, it's a beautiful thing, man. So everything I do kind of stems around that. And then, of course, you know, just got the business side as well to help support my preaching habit. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. for sure. 
a lot of things going on over the years. Uh, yeah. You know, we've done some things together. And um, when I first met you, you was doing Third Thursdays. Nice. And my son was dancing in this little hip hop dance crew, and uh, you had had some connections with the leader of that, <laughs> and y'all brought him out there, and that's kind of kind of how we hooked up. Yeah, and, man. <clears throat> for whatever reason, the Lord had just put you on my heart, and I would just like send. I think it was sending you messages through your website or something yeah. like that. I didn't even have your number. I just drive down the street, and the Lord would just tell me, man, encourage Vaughn right now. Yeah. So I just started encouraging him through his website, like messages through his website. At, and we and you was doing a um, a concert, I think over off 1960 somewhere at a, at a church over there. And then yeah. uh, I didn't even know you was getting the messages or anything like that. And you was like, shout out to David. And, the, and I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. you know? And then we started linking up right. and just started doing ministry together and stuff. Now, did you have hair at this time? No. No, no neither one <laughs> of us. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> I had less gray hair on my face, but uh, I did not have any hair. Um but there was some, as you was growing up doing music, yeah. you was really growing up spiritually in front of a, a bunch of people because you your music was popping at the time. Yeah. Uh, you was, you know, was, you was hitting some of the Christian web, uh, websites and different things like that. How was that growing up and with the success and with some of the failures that you was having in the public eye? Yeah, I think for me, when I got saved and when I got tased and all that, I grew up in church, so I knew the Lord. So I had been running so long. By the time I got saved, I was like, well, let me just get to it. You know what I mean? So I think if I'd have gone back, I'd have probably taken more time to just sit and get discipled or sit under a couple pastors and just waited before I just got out there. But I'm telling you, I made the decision in the, the first weekend of April in 2007, and my first event was April 17th wow. or April 19th, that third <laughs> wow. Thursday of the same month. And I told the pastor, and I, you know, I thank the pastor for allowing me to move forward because you know, for me, I needed that. You know, if I would have sat still, I don't mind devil's workshop. You know what I mean? That's how I got in trouble sitting still. So yeah. right now, my mantra, the thing I tell people, man, I try to keep myself so busy with the things of God that the devil can't get an appointment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I stay busy. And, you know, still anger. I mean, in my songs, coming from the streets, somebody say something negative about you or you don't get along. You write a diss track. That's yeah, what you yeah. do. Mm -hmm. So freshly off getting saved, you know, me getting into some run-ins with some other Christian rappers, I wrote diss songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Because he, he would send me a, he would send me a track. I'm just like, you, no. It was like, you no, can't no, say that. Can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to change that part. And I'd be like, why, man? I'm trying to keep it real. Speaking the truth, you know. So th that was one big area was... Um, that, you know, just writing songs and saying things and, and not having enough wisdom to just be quiet sometimes. Yeah. And then also, like I said, I grew up not wanting to get second place in anything. So for me, it was like, I'm going to be the best Christian rapper. I'm going to be the number one Christian rapper. Mm -hmm. And then I had guys around me explaining to me, like, that's not the idea. You know what I mean? But well, we're supposed to be our best for Christ. But it's like, no, you got to kind of shift. And, it, you know, on the Christian side of things, it's about humility. It's about honoring God. It's about, yeah. it is about second place. Like, yeah, it's about sure. playing the background. So I had to learn those things. And then, you know, there's this thing called zeal. You know what I mean? When you get, when you get saved and you're on fire and you're willing to do anything at any time. And, you know, you're going to go, 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 go until God says no. You know, and I got I had to get to a place of maturity where, 
instead of go, go, go until God says no, now I don't move until God says yes. Mm, mm-hmm. That's good. That's wisdom. Yeah. It's, a I, big, it's a big difference. I find a, it, it's, uh, we have this conversation, we all have these conversations sometimes, but you know, I, I think that the Christian church for a long time, they, they, they kind of celebrate mediocrity as well, you know, because <laughs> of that whole, well, we're trying to be too humble, yeah. you know, but there is that, like that, 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 that right zeal, that right zealousness yes, to have, yeah. you know, and it's like, but it's just interesting that you, that you were talking about that. It's like, well, you know, you have to find that balancing point between both. Yeah, I think it's it's a difference between being competitive and being excellent. Mm-hmm. That's right. Excellent is just, you know, perfection is impossible, but excellence is doing the best you can with what you have. Yeah. I've walked into some small churches that don't have a lot of resources, but you can tell, man, they're trying to be excellent. Man, yeah. Things are clean, the yeah. chairs are straight, and they're doing the best. They're being good stewards of what God gives them. Um, so for me, you know, just an example of the zeal thing, I found myself on a Thanksgiving night um, doing homeless ministry, right? Which, in essence, that sounds beautiful. Man, Vaughn, you're doing homeless ministry. But Dave's like, but your wife and your kids are at the house by themselves. Yeah. Right. Mm. You know, what What about your, that's your first ministry. Yeah. Like, you got to take care of home first and allow God. Because at the end of the day, that we can always find someone else to go do homeless ministry on a certain night or go do a church event, but you can't find someone else to go to your son's game. Yeah. You can't find someone else to, to be there for your family at, at Thanksgiving dinner. You can, but you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Can you go to my house? Kyle and to show up in your living room. Right, yeah. <laughs> you get the wrong pasta there. Oh, hey, Carl, I got some work to do. Yeah. Can you hang out can with, you my hang wife out with my wife for a second? Oh. Ain't nobody sure. going to be calling Tyrone. I'm not Tyron. a part of this part. I'm not a part Make of this sure part of the podcast. Make sure you keep your pants real low, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those are some things that um, I think growing up in, in and what he's saying in, in the public eye, um, the south.com and representing some of those sites were very popular at that time and anything you put out. So I remember doing a diss track and I think about a guy named Jason that there's on those guys actually got on their Twitters and when, you know, people talked about it, man, I caught a ton of backlash and I think it really affected my ministry for years, man. And I think I ended up, you know, praise God, I, God gave me this song called Bow Down um, that I wrote that, man, I, well, I publicly apologized to these guys on the song. And also for me, it was a time of repentance for God because I was just going through so much. I took a youth pastor position in, in uh, New Mexico, and just after a few months, the pastor canceled it, and we had to move back. And it was a very uh, embarrassing moment for us because everybody knew that we had left. We had a huge going-away party, and yeah. just three months later, here I am back in Houston. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, so... You know, that was all of a, a crushing process where God had to really break me down. And um, I think that's how you mature. It's like you, you you grow and God breaks you down. You know, I think it's called, I think it's a pruning process, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kind of has to cut you. And, and if you don't get pruned, you, you, leave, you know, you're not really going to be able to flourish. So I just had those moments through the years where in the public eye, I was getting pruned. You know, or I would have things where I'd have to kind of reset and shift courses and, um, you know, relationships and things like that but overall man it's been it's all been in god's will yeah and you t- taking some uh some criticism that wasn't fair too i, I remember on, on the south or rapzilla or whatever I, w- I was in the chat defending you because yeah. you know you know you would post something about uh recording in a secular studio or whatever and then the whole site will come down on you, be like, how you call yourself Christian rapper when you're in there in a secular studio, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then like six months later, everybody's in a secular studio because yeah. they were trying to get that perfection, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They wasn't trying to get that, you know, uh, that closet, that closet type, sound. Yeah, yeah. That closet yeah. sound. 
Uh, so, I mean, you've been a kind of a, a forerunner for a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I took, you know, they say the first Indian up the hill catches all the arrows, man. So for me, um, I was already doing music with Lil Flip and Lil Kiki and all these Houston rappers, mainstream artists. So for me, um, it was just natural that when I started doing music, I would continue to do it on the Christian side. But I always, you know, I got to the point where I realized um, God can be glorified when you work with those guys, but as a Christian artist, if you work with a mainstream artist, don't let that be an opportunity for you to do a secular song. Make that an opportunity for them to do a Christian song. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And make sure that the platform is good. And and uh, that kind of led me to when I was pastoring, I got to it. I got to the congregation, and we got a lot of street guys in there. And I could put on a Lecrae, and I could put on a lot of the popular Christian rap, but my street friends, they weren't feeling it. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't ready for that level of Christian in music. And I said, God, what can I do to help my guys get to that level? So what turned out to be just uh, an internal need and an internal prayer um, turned into this project called Grace Still Abides, an album I did that I featured um, Scarface, Bun B, Zero, Lil Fla all the Houston mm -hmm. legends. Let's just play a piece of that real yeah, quick. Yeah, I think that's the one you were telling us about yeah, the other day. We talked about it last week, so let's just play a piece of that real quick. One of the best songs Vaughn's ever done. It's got Scarface. Let my voice be heard. Expected of me, you can see the shame, but I can't stray away from truth. Spirit shining down on me, and angels on my shoulder turning corners. God has smiled on me. Though my surroundings be in disarray, I am grateful that the heavens led me this way. A wise man told me you a blessed dude, but if he woke you up this morning, you were blessed too. But separating me from all these other men is I accept the bitter with the sweet. I know I'm born to win. The grace of God is merciful and most forgiving. It's only right I thank Him publicly while among the living. And I know that I'm a sinner, but in God's light, I am just another man. And though I had a hard life, I win. Yeah, man. It's a good one. Uh, the video. Mom was telling me the Scarface wouldn't go into church. He wouldn't walk into church, man. And, uh, <laughs> why, why, why was that? Why was that? Uh, listen, the Jesus is inside the church, apparently. Yeah. So if you ever like invite people to church and you tell them, hey, man, we're going to have this outreach outside. We're going to be playing basketball and barbecuing and stuff. They're like, I'll come to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in but the parking you, lot. In the parking lot. But they feel like when you enter the church, you have to face Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of like. Peels them off at the door. Yeah, yeah I got a friend who he said the same thing. He's like, man, if I came in your church, I got to wear a helmet or something because yeah. I'm sure the walls come down. And that and, and the crazy part is, so many people feel that way. Yeah. And but that's not God's grace. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's not what the gospel is, right? The gospel is saying that 
you know, we have sin and we're covered in sin, but Jesus is sent on the cross. And when, when God looks down at us, when we accept and we accept that grace, he sees Jesus in all his blameless, right? Yep. Not in our sin. And everyone feels like, or a lot of people feel like it's their works that are going to get them to heaven. And it's their sin that is keeping them out of heaven. I understand it's their unbelief mm -hmm. that's keeping them out of heaven. So I've just been really trying to work super hard to explain the gospel in the right format, True. right? And for, you know, Scarface, all those guys, man, I just say, hey, man, you can't talk about girls, weed, drugs. And they all they all have an understanding of God, so they did it. And, man, God bless the project. Debuted number 27 on the on the gospel billboard charts mm -hmm. as an independent label, you know, to, to be able to be a billboard charting project. Uh, just let me know that God was in it, man. And to this day, man, I've reached me people that um, that this project has truly affected them, man. It's, it's been a been a timeless project. Yeah, Pastor Caesar. Yeah, well, we're all music snobs in this room, you know, and uh, just from a snobs. For, yeah snobs, <laughs> and uh, uh, just from a production standpoint, you know, how do you how do you what's your creative process like, especially whenever you're working with secular artists? Yeah. And, like, how do you check their doctrine and stuff like that as yeah, well? Yeah, I think. Um, with doctrine, not so much, you know what I mean? I, I think there's, you give them the opportunity to share their heart. You know, someone gave me the opportunity to share my heart. When I first started doing Christian hip-hop, I was still doing mainstream, and I was actually writing songs for a group called SOM, and, and uh, even a guy named Trey Nine, before I really committed to God, he allowed me to come do events with him, still in sin, still seeing me at the studio with my eyes red with marijuana, but he opened up a door for me to understand I could use my gift in another way. And when I started using it, the seeds came in, right? One plant seeds, one water seeds, the Holy Spirit gets the increase, God gets yeah. the increase. So for me, um, I'm always, I remember how it happened for me, so I always like to plant that seed and give people an opportunity. Um, and of course, if somebody ever got on the track and said something that was just heresy or something, you know, I'd be like, okay, we can't say that. Something worse than you said, right? Something worse than that, because I, 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 I tiptoe all over the line, you know what I mean? I already told you, we had like, we had to scratch some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> literally, like, go back and rewrite that. And that's, that's a frustrating thing, but um, I think mainly, you know, Again, being excellent, you know, working with great producers. My process is nine times out of ten, I'm getting the beats and then I'm riding to the beats and I'm and I'm listening to the beat and I'll come up with a melody and I've been successful at writing very strong hooks, mm -hmm. choruses. I think that has a lot to do with my island background, yeah. just reggae music and and just the uh, the potency of like reggae chanting. You know what they call yeah. chanting that sound. So. Um, I come up with the hook for the beat. If I find, a, if I can make a beat and a hook marriage, I finish the song. Yeah, you know, and that's normally the process. And then, you know, back in the day, I would, I used to have a pad full of raps, and it was just like, man, you know, once I put on a beat, I would rap if it matched. Then I would probably take what the verse was about and then create a hook. But that's the other angle. But nine times out of ten, I'm going to find a dope beat first. It starts with the beat. People don't realize that, man. At the end of the day, if you had a great meal, I mean, meat, potatoes, I mean, fish, and then I bring it to you on a dirty garbage can lid, <laughs> you're going to be like, man, that food looks good. But, you know, <laughs> the presentation is there. Yeah, I don't know about that. Don't know so if I eat it. that plate is, the beat is the plate, man. Like, yeah. you know, you want something that's making you move before you hear any words on it. And... 
Then you add the lyrics to it. Then you add the melodies, and that's I think that's success. Yeah, he, he's been the hook king for a long time. I've uh, got a lot of it, compliments <laughs> in that area. Yeah. yeah, no, the melody is absolutely important. That's what people remember. They mm-hmm. might not even remember the lyrics, but whenever you can hum a, a, a melody, that's when you know it's memorable. Uh, yeah, I, I, as long as I've known Pastor David o- over here, I've always heard about you. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we've met, I think, a few times, but it was yeah. just in passing, and there was always like things going on, events, and, and all that. But uh, uh, one of one of my, uh, I guess, fondest memories mm-hmm. whenever I think about you is that uh, we. Uh, this was back in the legacy days, mm. and uh, and a worship leader at the time that you had a Tavarius at yeah. that at that moment he he. Uh, he called me to uh, go help him out on drums. It was on a Mother's Day service, Nice. you know. And then after we were done with our set and all that, if both of y'all Boy, go up, the man. Yeah, 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 mama, yeah, And I was just like, I was like, because both of y'all were feeding off each other yeah, at that moment, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so we ran with it. Oh, what did you say that day? It was just hilarious. right after. It's like, it's like, man, that's why you don't play with black people. Or yeah, yeah, you yeah. Like you get two black people on the stage, you know. Yeah, so okay, it was good memory though for sure. So that reminds me. That. that reminds me of the story of of your funeral story. So tell me about your funeral story. Oh man, and, and, yeah. Uh, you 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 sang the wrong my fir- song. My or first something? my first funeral I ever did, man. And and a friend I grew up with, her name was Wendy, and she's like, "Hey, can you come do my mother's fu- my grandmother's funeral?" And um, so we did the part in the, in the church, and then we had to go to the graveside. They said, "Well, she knew I could say, do you mind singing us something on the graveside?'" I'm like, "Oh, of course, man!" So we get there, and of course, I'm thinking "Amazing Grace." I think it's a no-brainer, yeah. right? Yeah, so easy. I, I sing "Amazing Grace," and in the, in the middle of it, this woman stands up. I thought she was catching the Holy Ghost or something. I'm like, "I'm, I'm killing this right now, right?" Don't stop now. And she pulls the Kanye West on me, like Taylor Swift, and she's like, "Stop, hold up, son." You're doing a good job, but you're going to have to sing another song. My mother was no wretch. Hey, <laughs> you talk about just stopping in your tracks. My mother was no wretch. And I was like, oh, so I stopped. And I, I mean, just oh, it's my first funny. funeral, bro. Wow. I'm shook. And I tell you, I mean, like any any young black man would, man, I had to pull out little boys to man. How do I? <laughs> hey, and got it done. And she and she she clapped and she sat down. So, that's so yeah, that's funny. my. Oh, wait, that's she my, stand up the whole time you sang the other man. one. She <laughs> wanted to know what I was gonna do. And uh, you talk about pressure, bro. Oh, and then wow. on the grave side. So that's for our listeners right there. If you're that's ever do in not the predicament, sing Amazing Grace. But if you do and yeah. you get caught up. Boys to men gonna always get you have boys to men. <laughs> yes, indeed. Good stuff, oh, man. that is good stuff. So you did the you did the rap thing for a while. Yeah. And um, tell us about the the plant. You know, you you mentioned the plant. Uh, your church fellowship, Houston. Yeah. Um, always knew that you had it in you. Mm. You know, you always been a leader of leaders. People always flocked to you to see the direction you was going mm. uh, to give them direction. Um, just from the first time that I didn't even know you, just but watching you and yeah. watching people uh, naturally draw to you, and then when you decided to launch the church, it was a natural, it was a natural thing. And I think that God had set you down a couple of times to get you ready for that. Yeah. You know, uh, p- place you at Engine to, to to gain some skills there and yeah. to sit you down and and start preparing you and your family for it. Uh, and then you met up with the Ark, and there's some. 
some crucial people here in Houston that yeah. also went through those things. And kind of tell us about that process. Yeah, the arc again, man, is just they've they've just become gurus at the end of the day in church planting. You know, what I mean, understanding the science behind it. The guy, one of the top guys, um, Church of the Highlands, uh, the pastor there, Chris. Um, he's he's a systems guy, you know what I mean, and really teaches us systems, and they've had proven things. But it was good to see guys like Jim Kyles of Anchor, Anchor Bend Church, um, Brandon Barber of Elevate People Church, and then even Jeremy Foster at Hope City. So I was able to have friends of mine that I knew go through this process, go through the system, see how they did it, see what worked, what didn't. And um, and all three of them have been very successful. Jeremy, I mean, astronomical. They were the fastest-growing church in North America for a couple of years and running. So for me, I had to realize, you know, if you're going to plan a church, of course, you definitely want to be able to preach, you know what I mean, and, and deliver the word. From the time I was four or five, I would go to churches, and in multiple churches, the pastor would stop literally and say, that young man's going to be a pastor. And I would start to cry, and I'd run, and I wouldn't want to do it. Um, so I always had that in the back of my mind, like, dang, one day it's, it might be possible that these guys were was telling the truth, you know. Right. Um, but it was a... The ARC said, hey, we'll match you up to $50,000 of whatever you earn. And then after you launch your service for the first six months, um, if you don't meet budget, if your budget's $13,000 a month and you only raise $10,000 in your offering, we'll we'll pay that $3,000 to complete your budget. So for the, so we had $20,000 set aside to make budget the first six months. And uh, But even raising that, the finances, I mean, you can't just... I had to sit down with a lot of people. You know, I had to have lunch with a lot of people. I had to create brochures. I had to be able to cast vision. I actually drove the summer before we launched um, from Houston all the way west to Arizona, preaching at churches and conferences, then came back home for a few days. Why'd you drive? Uh, For one, (laughs) I haven't really flown since about 2014, 13. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother. That's the next podcast. But I, I'm sorry. I was just trying to set you yeah. up. On <laughs> so, you know, so I've been driving more, especially with the family. We had a, a car full of expedition full, but drove all the way to, man, it's Arizona preaching, you know, collecting checks and then all the way to Florida, then up through Georgia, up to North Carolina, you know, fundraising. So for me, that's why. It can get frustrating at times when you're a leader in the church and you have people that come in and, and think they want to tell you what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and not because we're so high and mighty, but a word that I truly believe in is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, and anytime you someone takes the time to sacrifice their life, their time, um, you know, their free anything to do something, it has there has to be some honor tied to that. You know what I mean? So for us, man, for me and my wife. Man, we've sacrificed. You know, I think what Carl Lentz did was he gave up on Galatians 6, 9. Mm. You know what I mean? The Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. For a proper time, if you faint not, if you don't lose all, you will gain a harvest. So day-to-day, Christian men, women of God, we have to live and fight to keep this Galatians 6, 9 um, lifestyle going. So that's what I've been able to do. And, you know, like Dave said, um, I, I had to grow up in front of people, but what I never had from 2007 till now was a moral failure. Mm. I never got drunk. I never smoked weed again. I never cheated on my wife. I never did anything like that. I've, you know, when I, I knew when I came to God in 2007, okay, man, games are over. Regardless of if the guy, these guys in my group that that might get this million dollar record deal that we're close to getting, regardless of if they get the deal, 
I'm not going back to the world. Regardless of what I made a decision. And one thing I learned, if you listen to people's testimony, hear how they tell their testimony. The ones that are serious about God, you hear them say the same thing. They'll say, at some point in the story, they'll say, and at, and at that moment, I told God, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. That's the difference in the stories, bro. If they don't say that, it was an emotional salvation. Yeah. Wow. It was a for the moment salvation. Mm -hmm. But when they tell God, if if in this, I'll serve for the and for me, when I was standing in the street after getting tased in November, you know, the story sounds pretty after that, but from November to January, February, March, I went back to doing drugs again. You know what I mean? And even after getting tased and laying on the ground not breathing, I found myself overdosing on cocaine like in the middle of February of the next year. And I'm walking up and down the street, walking out, I got an office studio. And I was walking out the office, and there was a strip club next door. And I'd walk to the strip club and the red roof in, and I'm my heart's panning and it's beating, and I was about to die, man. And I remember laying on the ground, not breathing. I remember the ambulance. I remember getting tased, and couldn't believe I was so stupid to go back and return to my vomit. And I told God at that moment, God, I'm sorry. Uh, if you save me right now, I serve you for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Right on Monroe, in the middle of the street, standing mm -hmm. outside the strip club, bro. <laughs> And in that moment, my heartbeat just stopped beating fast. The whole feeling of overdose and me dying, all of it went away like instantaneously, man. And I called my wife. I said, I'm about to come back home. And I drove home that day, man. And like after that, it was like me really starting to chase God, you know. And I remember if anybody has ever stopped doing drugs, there's withdrawals, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So at that point, I said yes to God in April, and then, man, I, I had a bad case of insomnia. I couldn't sleep, um, you know, and it was just, I was having panic attacks, going yeah. to the emergency room, all these things, but it was all a process, man, and, and of course, all the friends I had, a lot of people scattered, you know, so you're always going to have to go through this, this season of loneliness when you come to God, man. You got a purging season where you're going to lose friends, you're going to lose people who are close to you, including family, um, but you got to allow God in that season, man. Give God time to work again. Man, Galatians 6, 9, right? Don't grow weary and well-doing. So I stand on that. And another scripture, just Matthew 6, 33, man. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. And that's truly been the secret to the success is just, man, continue to put God first, right? I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to do songs with all these big Christian, uh, big-time rap artists. But when I became a pastor... All of a sudden, God opens up the door for people to come to me with investments. Here's $60,000. Now I'm doing songs with Scarface, Paul Wall, Bun B, all these things. All these things being added. Yeah. Unto thee. Unto me. Right. right? Because I seek, I was seeking God first. So, you know, and then, and then another scripture is just, man, whatever you do privately, God will reward openly. So a lot of what people see when God is blessing or opportunities. I mean, for, you know, to do a church and to be successful, you have to have the hand of God in your life, man. I don't care how good you can promote market, how good you preach. There's some cold preachers with three people in the audience, mm -hmm. you know. There's some superb marketers with nobody in the audience. So it has to be God that's coming alongside you at some point that's allowing and his favor being there to allow. And I think, you know, God's favor has been strong because me and my wife both, we just do our best to seek God. We do our best to do to have integrity, and do the right things when no one else is looking. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and God rewarding and open. What we're doing shout, shout out to Kyla because she's been a rock for you. Man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. How was how was that? If you can expound on that just a little bit. How, how was that conversation whenever 
you were you you miraculous miraculously got sober. Yeah. And uh, you know what did you tell your wife? It's like we're doing this now. I know I gotta go. We're, we're, yeah. Well, I mean that night she knew. You know this was months after the whole tasing incident where she watched me get beat up by four police officers, almost laying on the ground, not breathing. This this happened in November, and here I am in February, <laughs> calling her, telling her. That I'm overdosing, and I'm and I've been. I was calling 911 and hanging up, and she was so upset, man. She was on the phone screaming at me, "Get in the office! Stop walking in the middle of the street! They're gonna take you to jail!" So, you know, when I prayed that prayer and I told her, "Hey, I'm doing better. I'm coming home." You know, I'm sure that was an answered prayer for her. And then in April, when I started giving my life to God and I went to Lakewood, and she actually really saw me flush the weed down the toilet, mm -hmm. right? And then when she actually saw me really going to church, and for me. Um, I just submerged myself in the Lord, you know what I mean? So I, Grace used to have a, serve, a Monday night service. I was there, you know, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Thursday Bible school. I was at church, like, because I felt like, man, if, if I let the devil get anywhere near me, he's going to win. So I did everything I could to not let him win. But, man, my wife, her her family are in ministry, her uncle, Pastor's Faith Assembly of God in Pasadena, her grandfather was the one of the first pastors of that church, he was in a group called the McDuff Brothers, you know, and they traveled evangelists, I mean, started revivals. Her grandfather saved Colonel Sanders, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, <Enough said. said. laughs> My mouth started watering. <laughs> hey, come on. That, that anointing and that chicken, uh, come on, we got man. something to do with that. That's Amen. Right. So, that's good. So that's uh, just to know her, her legacy and that end. But she's, man, she's always been supportive. And I think, imagine having a, a guy in your life who was cheating on you, um, who was doing secular music, you know, and doing all those things. And now having a guy that's on fire for God, um, for her, it's a beautiful thing. She, she, she won, you know, it's a beautiful thing because you just had your, your two year anniversary night. And, uh, I got to see the two of you stand up on stage and, uh, I'm not an emotional dude, yeah, but it almost brought tears to my wow. ears. And it's not the first time I've seen it, but just to hear the different people talk about, inspiration you've been yeah. other other pastors from art now that are looking at you right uh, because how successful you've been and the things that you've done and you've kind of done it outside the box with some hip-hop church and different things like that um so you you, you lost the church in Dobie high school yeah that was going well for a while yeah man. right and then uh the pandemic hit yeah right so talk to us about surviving uh the pandemic in in uh a young church. Yeah, surviving a pandemic. Um, I think the young church worked in our favor, if anything. I think if we were an older church, a much older congregation, it might have been a little bit tougher to adjust to the online and the streaming and the social mm. media and continue to be relevant. So I think that that kind of helped us on that end. And then the fact that I do graphics, I do video editing. So, you know, I wasn't have to really outsource and pay a ton of money to get stuff like that done. Right. But we man, but we went just, from... Mm -hmm. But just one second, because when the pandemic hit, school shut down, so that shut your church yeah, down. Yeah, so because, we can... Right. Right. Yeah, so, so how, how did the... What do you mean by you had a church in Dolby High School? We were exposed, man. So, you know, one of the things that the ARC teaches you is either go to your local movie theater to do your church in there, portable, or go to a local high school that everybody knows. Because when you do that, one of the explanations is, um, what, where did you grow up? What's the, what part? Are you in Deer Park? I went to school in Deer Park. So yeah. if I if I was starting my church, you're like, hey man, what's your church gonna be? I'm like, bro, at Deer Park. Yeah, high Deer school. Park High School. I don't have to tell you the address. 
like you know where the high school. So you is. have a church like in the auditorium. So we or... use the auditorium. Some people go into schools and they use the cafeteria. They use the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were blessed to be able to use the auditorium. Six hundred seats, movie theater seats. Yeah, stage yeah. was huge, um, but we did have to. I mean, we bought all the stuff we needed. We uh, had a trailer, so every Sunday we'd roll up about seven in the morning, unload the trailer, turn the church and turn the school into a church, have mm-hmm. service. Then after church, shut down, pack yeah, it yeah. back into the trailer, take the trailer to the. Um, to the storage spot. So very tedious and you have yeah. to have a huge team and a lot of motivation and a lot of, and the Holy Spirit, man, yeah. really to just convince people to want to do that. Um, so we were successful, man. I mean, we, we would do car shows, like Dave said, outside the box, man, really hip hop driven. Uh, I mean, one service, you know, we had almost 600 people, you know, and this is our, in our first year of existence, you know, so that was a, that was a blessing. I went but, to the church and there was a DJ at the door. Yeah. <laughs> they was like, church was good, but it was a little loud, man. I thought, <laughs> so, and that, and that's good to get his perspective because from yeah. someone else, they probably didn't think it was loud. But for Dave, right. it's like, man, hey, if you're, if you're looking to bring in, you know, the different, to, you might want to fix stuff like that. So that's why you have to get, have good insight yeah. um, on things like and that. And you got to have people around you that you can, that's not scared to speak into your life too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, that's definitely a win. You know, having people you could trust, trust their voice. You know, Dave's definitely become one of those people. And um, again, Jim, Brandon, Barber, those guys that um, weren't takers. Like, you know, for me, I, I felt like everybody around me at some point were like, were taken. And one of the first things Dave told me when he was like, hey man, I don't, I just, I'm reaching out to you. I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. And that sounds rude, but he wasn't being rude. Yeah, he, was just, no. <laughs> he was just letting me know, like, hey, bro, like, I want to help just support whatever you got yeah, going on, like what you're doing. What I, because I, the reason I said that, because everybody around him was sucking off of him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? They was draining him, and they, they seen his platform mm-hmm. and where he came from, the secular side and the connections that he had. And so all these Christian rappers were like, what? So yeah, they went yeah. to try to get some, some and, of them. And it felt the way. I mean, I, really, at that point, I had lost faith in people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because even after coming and helping a lot of people, it seemed like all I got back was criticism. Yeah. I was like, bro, I'm just trying to help you, man. You know, so that was that was good in that season to gain those relationships, Dave, Jim, Brandon, because um, that carried me as a Christian to say, man, let me keep doing this. Because at that point, I would have just walked away from Christianity because it's like it's, like most people. They say, man, I'm done with these Christians. Yeah. So, man, you got to, you know, you got to don't be that Christian. Like be the Christian that gives people the perspective of Jesus that they need to have. Right. But, man, shut down. I, I said, like, what can I do to Jedi mind trick the people? So I said, <laughs> you know what? We're not going to say we're going backwards or we're not having church. We're going to change the name and say, okay, we're not Fellowship Houston anymore. Now we're Fellowship Worldwide, and we're not just reaching oh. people here. Come on, we're now. reaching people all over the world, and this is a new ministry. And so I, I shifted. I, I proposed it like that. You wasn't online yet, right? No, In Adobe. You did a no, couple, you did a t- not couple really. services. Yeah, yeah. We, really, we really weren't live streaming at that point. Yeah. So that was cool to be able to do that. And, man, shout out, you know, relationships, man. You know, I tell I told a story about the, the the blind man that was on the side of the road, and he couldn't see, but he heard Jesus coming. And he started screaming for it. And they were like, man, be quiet. And he was like, when they, when they told him to be quiet, he started screaming loud. And I tell mm-hmm. people that, that guy in that moment, he was blind, but he wasn't focusing on what he didn't have, right? He had a voice, and he screamed louder, you know what I mean? And when he used the thing that he did have, um, God heard him and God blessed him and he was able to gain his sight. So I tell people, man, when you're going through it, man, when you need, don't focus on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. And one thing we did have was good relationships. So we had Pastor Cecil at LifePoint Church said, hey, man, you could use our building on a Thursday night, come in, film. So we started filming and we, man, this church, they had just bought like this 
thirty, forty thousand dollars setup, four mm-hmm. camera angles, mm-hmm. you know, huge LED. I mean, so God really just made us look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so here's fellowship worldwide, like man, Jay, show we're here, you know. And then uh and then cross Cross Point Church, again, another beautiful church. They allowed us to use their building. And then, um, so, you know, we just, we moved in that direction. And then when that kind of got stale a little bit, I saw the numbers dropping. I said, man, let's do, um, we tried to go into a, a spot called the Gardens for a little while. That didn't work out. Then I said, man, let me go to, let me go to my element, right? So I went to the, to the biggest, stu- one of the biggest studios in Houston, Lucky Run, million dollar setup. And we used the worship team, recorded in the booth in there. And then I preached in front of the mixing board. So just, just good. <laughs> high production value they yeah, see that yeah. board good visual and for yeah good yeah. visuals man so we did that and then man in the midst of all that man um me and my wife fasted and that's one element again for my life like anytime um what's your name again james james was telling me about his brother who's been in a few accidents and just having a kind of a streak of bad luck so to say mm-hmm. anytime i ever got to a place where like things were like going back to back wrong that was the time I would I fast in those seasons. Said God, man, you got to fix this. And I fast three days. Um, maybe only drink water from six a.m. to six p.m. Yeah. And after that third day, you know, God will speak or God will ch- change some things, shift some things. So if I'm looking to God for direction, I look at fasting as one thing is God is always speaking, right? But you can't if God's in the other room. It doesn't matter if He's yelling; you're not going to be able to hear Him. Yeah, got to so, clear the air, airwaves, right? So when you fast, it's like you put yourself in the same room as God. So mm. that she can start hearing That's what good. he has to say. Yeah. I also look at the, the bat signal. Uh, the fast is like a bat signal. When you fast, you throw that signal in the <laughs> yeah. sky, and God is like, oh, look, Vaughn's down there fasting. He needs me to show up. You yeah. know what I mean? And the other thing is, I feel like God. What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so like <laughs> And the other thing is, I feel like God, sometimes he has something great for you. But. If I'm working, say a time where I'm working with Dave and Dave's blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, and something happens and Dave blessed me, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, man, Dave blessed me yeah. because that's in a moment. So sometimes God, he won't release that thing he has for you until he sees you fast. Because when you fast and then it comes on that third day or that seventh day, the first thing you're going to say is, man, I fasted and then this thing happened. So sometimes when you feel like, man, God, I need that thing. I need that next blessing. So that's been a strong principle in our life and our walk with God is just fasting when we need things. And we, man, God, we don't know what we need a building. God, we need to, for one thing, I sold into a church. A guy reached out to me, man, we got this building in Kingwood. We're trying to raise 600,000 by Christmas. Can you sow? I didn't have the thousand, but we sold it. And I said, God, I'm sowing this thousand dollars, believing for our, for our own building. You know what I mean? So sold that seed. Then we started to fast. We fasted for three days. And I drove past this building that this pastor had uh, moved out of. Um, but when I when he first moved out of it, he told me that he was selling it to somebody. So I let it go. And then I said, man, I, after we fast, I drove past it again. I saw it was still empty. So I called him and said, hey, man, what's going on with the building? You know, long uh, story short, a week later, I'm handed the keys to the building. Wow. We signed a lease to it. A week after that, we're doing our two-year anniversary service. Dave is in the building you know, 200-something people in the rooms, packed in, anti-COVID. Nobody, nobody wearing masks. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> I felt like I was sick just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah, man, and now, man, we, we've been in there a month and, and uh, having some great services. We're almost back up to our 250 um, attendance. We've been running like 235 every weekend, running two services. And um, it's just a blessing, man, to see what God's doing. And as long as he has us there, we'll, we'll make the most of that opportunity until... And the story continues, right, until until uh, God comes back. Right. 
That's, that's an awesome story. Like so many church are folding. So many church are hurting financially. And then in the time of a pandemic, he's fasted. And I always, I always like to get that phone call after Vaughn's been fasting because yeah. <laughs> he normally hits me up afterwards and, and he, he begins to tell me what God was doing in his life during the fast. And then, started telling me about this building. It was just an amazing thing. Even talking to Brandon Barber while we was there, um, he was telling me some of the hits they were taking. Yeah. You know, and they got some money behind them and different things like that. They built a, just an amazing church. And uh, to see God blessing the things that you... Uh, and and 31,000 31, in one day at the, at the end of that fast as well. It was like, man, God brought the building and resources to get in the building. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, when he does that, it, it's, an, it's an assure that... He's got you. He's yeah. supporting Emmanuel. Man, God is with us. Yeah, and then yeah. Right. Brandon Barber preached just a tremendous message that night, and then and, and then just he said, "I'm going to cover the first first month five thousand on us." So yeah. that's man. God is a blesser, man. He, he says yeah. you have to believe when you pray. Believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. You got to believe He's a rewarder. You know what I mean? That's not a prosperity message. Yeah, it's the word of God. It is what believe it is. that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. You know what I mean? So we man, we're diligent in our seeking. Of the Lord, man, and we believe, you know, that that He'll He'll reward us for. Yeah, that's yeah. just it's so refreshing to hear uh, just uh, the, that a brick and mortar church is being established, and especially like because of the pandemic, and we all, you know, we've all switched to online kind of things and all that. But to know that God is still, He wants brick and mortar churches, and and you know, I, all of us, we've had these conversations in different areas about well, what is what is the future of the church going to look like, and all that, and and it's gonna be it's gonna be a hybrid of both. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll say this, I think. God wants brick and mortar churches, but he doesn't want Sunday brick and mortar churches. Mm -hmm. you know, I think one thing Elam Church does well is you got crux on Friday, you have events on Saturday, you got Bible study Monday, you have so some churches are just open on Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we don't need buildings, church with buildings that only are open on Sunday. Right. So for us, we've been open a month, but we've already done a young lady came to us and wanted to do a glow party with DJ Overflow, and we did the fuse for the kids, and Zante's going to be here Friday, and then there's a guy filming. So we, man, we want to have a building that, that we say, and we do church on Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, bro. Speaking of that, speaking of all the things that you do, uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about some entrepreneurship. What, what is your yeah. word for it? Pastorpreneur. Pastorpreneur. Pastorpreneur, Pastor yeah, man, and I just... I do business, man, to help support my preaching habit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so, man, naturally just doing um, hip-hop and throwing concerts and stuff, I started doing graphic design in high school and have been able to turn that into a business. Um, became a, the marketing director at, at Engine, and that was kind of the first time I recognized, okay, I do marketing. You know what I mean? When, once I got that job. So, you know, focused on marketing. And I was I was getting paid, but then we would bring in these, these firms um, Yellow Box Creative and New Design and these guys and we were paying those guys. I mean, one one company came in and they did like a two day um, like marketing thing for us and we paid them twenty four thousand dollars. And I'm looking at the invoice like, man, we just paid mm. these guys. And then uh, the website and all this stuff, hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, whoa, I'm on the wrong side of the table. <laughs> so when I did leave Engine, you know, we started Walwood Consulting and became a company. Um, like those companies that went in, instead of me going and working for one company as the marketing director, now I'm basically the marketing guy for multiple companies yeah, and yeah. offered and offered different services. Sorry, um, you know, from web design, graphic design, you know, uh, audio, um, voiceover work. So I've I've had uh, SiriusXM for a client, you know, for the last. 
two years, and I've been doing voice work for about seven years, and then um, Waste Services, which is an engineering company, and um, I've done a lot of real estate um, clients lately doing all the marketing videos and things like that, and they pay well, you know what I mean? So it's been a blessing to, to work in that realm, and then just seeing the things that these guys are doing in real estate, you know, me and my wife both decided, you know what, why don't we take an opportunity? So I'm stepping into more of the wholesaling side and, you know, fixing and flipping and um, investing and she's, you know, going to move into the more traditional, getting her real estate license. And uh, instead of Walwin, my name is Walwin. We do Walwin everything, Walwin Consultants. So she's McDuff. So we're doing McDuff Real Estate, man. So just to give, you know, my kids a chance to kind of be proud of, you know, the, the mother side of the family and what it means to be a McDuff as well, man. So so it doesn't yeah. matter if you're from uh, Texas, Oklahoma, California, Nevada, whatever. If you need some uh, marketing <laughs> stuff done, <laughs> boom. UrbanEyeMedia.com. There you, you go. go. Yes. Reach out to Vaughn. He does a great job. Um, he can shoot you some commercials. He can yeah. do just uh, print type stuff. Yeah, man. Whatever it is. He does social media for different churches like that. So if you need some social media uh, stuff done, reach out to him. Um, how, how, can, how can the people get a hold of you? Vaughn1.org is uh, my personal site, and then uh, the fellowshiphouston.com for the church. Can you spell um, that real quick? Which one? Vaughn1.org. Vaughn1, V-O-N-W-O-N. It's a sentence. I always win, I cannot lose, amen? Vaughn1, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, man, Urban Eye Media, E-Y-E. But, yeah, just check us out online, and, uh, you know, my thing is to, if at all possible, not not take a salary from the church. You know what I mean? I think that. You know, it's good to get paid by. There's nothing wrong with it. But at this stage, just being so early, if everything we have can go back into taking care of musicians and, and uh, our team and things like that, making sure we can have the best outreaches, then that's beautiful. You know what I mean? And maybe at some point I'll be able to step back. But for now, man, just going to God's giving me health. You know, God's giving me opportunity. And um, it's a good way to minister, you know, as well. So just going to keep working as long as I can and uh, trying to do the best to glorify the Lord. So quick lightning round for you real quick. Um, just before we wrap up and mm-hmm. all that, if you were to teach a master class, mm-hmm. what would that topic be? I would teach a master class on fundraising. Mm. I'd be in that class. class on fundraising. I'd be in that class. Yeah. All right. Uh, Juan knows people too, so it's just like he understands the 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 value in relationships. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one of the biggest things he's done. And and like to be a friend of Vaughn, it's not like, hey man, I'm a friend of Vaughn. I see you at this place or this place. No, Vaughn picks up the phone. And he calls you. Hey, how you doing? Just checking in on you. That type of friend. Not yeah. not one of those. Hey, Vaughn's my friend because I seen him at some yeah. some, some show somewhere. Amen. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thriller or off the wall? Thriller. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thriller. But last week we brought a what was it? Uh, Beatles versus Stones, right? Oh yeah, we were Beatles. Well, I'd probably say Beatles. I was yeah. Stones. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Nah, <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just looking at you. you, said, you said I'm just looking because you because you're all like I was waiting on the lightning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Vaughn, did we cover everything? Is there anything else you want to cover? Yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. got a new album coming out. All right, very oh, good. Hey, yeah. Called Gospel Rapper. You know, and again, that's my whole mind state is like just reminding people of the truth of the gospel. Yeah, you know, so Gospel Rapper, and uh, that's coming out in December, and then I'm coming out with a book called Dreams. Um, dare, research, execution, ambition, motivation, sacrifice. So I've been preaching that over a thousand times over the last 10 years, just, you know, chasing dreams and just the different elements it takes to do it. Um, so check out the book. You know, I think, and I'll drop the book and the album at the same time. 
and turn 40 at the same time. Mm. All right. So this All is right. kind of my, my pivot from the rap to the write to the author side of things. Um, and I'm excited, man. I'm still, I got one more session in the studio. Uh, brought Scarface back for this project. Nice. And, uh, you know, I just tried some different things as an artist, you know, just um, delivery. Just put out a video called uh, Out of Your Reach. And it's uh -huh. getting some super dope responses. So definitely go online and check that out. And uh, so, yeah, the book, the album, and just keep my family in prayer. So on on that um, Out of Your Reach, mm -hmm. right, uh, very competitive type feel, right? Yes. Uh, talk about that. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> More districts. <laughs> uh, I, I came in, I said the... The monkey pretends he's the king of the jungle till the lion shows up and he starts roaring. Mm. And that lame off the bench scores a few little points and he think he got game till he meets Jordan. Mm -hmm. And I see you little rappers starting to get a little shine and your head getting big, but you need to listen. You can't write enough songs or produce enough bars that'll ever change the fact I'm the king spitting. Mm. Let's, let's just, yeah. let's, just <laughs> listen to a piece of that. Uh. Hey. Too short to box with guard Got more heart than a box of cards When it comes to your matching bars Snoop Dogg ain't higher than my IQ Hit a fast spit fire like Ryu Y'all fools cartoon like Caillou My crew I'm tired of seeing black people marching Cops keep shooting and we the target Don't get mad when the heat is sparking the promise the revolution is right now If you got a vision, better write it down Execution make I hit a quiet down My sound is They say the monkey pretends He's the king of the jungle Till the lion shows up and he starts roaring And the lame of the band score a few little points And he think he got game till he meet Jordan And I see you little rappers starting to get a little shine And your head getting big, but you need to listen You can't write enough songs or produce enough bars I could ever check the fact I'm the king spitting Dog, you are not in my pedigree No shot you'll be ever ahead of me You gave me your name in the ring And your wife wouldn't choose you instead of me Who's the reason for your platform? I'm blazing hot, you're not that warm Barely scratch the surface like rat arms Therefore, my worst song's better than your best song My first song's better than your last song 22 years, still mad strong You ain't never did a show with 5,000 bodies, 10,000 hands raised Moving left to the right when I tell the crowd wait Graduated no four since then, been paid Even this is round me over half a mil raise It says it all, right? So it's, uh... I've had a lot of instances where, you know, things just happen in relationships and, you know, sometimes you just feel like you got to put a reminder out there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I don't do music full time. You know, I, I have a lot on my plate and I do feel like, for one, if I did music full time or even when I did music, if I didn't spend so much time pouring into the artists, Vaughn Juan himself could have been light years ahead. Um in my own victories and my own successes, you know. So to me, it's just frustrating when people don't weigh that, you know right. what I mean, and say, man, you know, like guys like Corey Paul, Reconcile, you know, you can look at a guy like Reconcile who's doing great and see footage of him say, man, Vaughn Juan was the first person to put me in the studio. Mm -hmm. Those are the wins, you know what yeah. I mean, that we look back. And I'd rather be able to maybe not get where I wanted to but know that I was able to sow into a lot of lives, man. But it's a little cocky on there. Every now and then, you know, that's where you get to do it, right? You get yeah. in the booth. It's, well, it's, it's like what all, what all would you not have accomplished if you had put 
your music career just as like the forefront of everything. You know, it's like what wouldn't you have got done? Fellowship I, Houston. Um, I probably not the church. Definitely, I, I can't say that my wife and myself or my marriage wouldn't be as healthy as it is. I feel like yeah. I have a very healthy marriage. I feel like I have very great relationships with my kids, mm-hmm. and I realize at some point to be great in music, you have to hit the road. Yeah, you can't be great and stay in your own city. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Got to be able to fly. You got to be able to fly. Not really, though. You know what I mean? I, I mean, John Madden. I don't know what this fly thing is, John, but. Fly quick. The brief the brief fly thing is I'm going to Denver, Colorado. I go there one time. And I, man, do we do a revival? I mean, people get saved. It's amazing. And I, they, they fly me back out. So I get on the plane, and I sit. I get there to the window. I get the window seat. I like that. And I sit down. I kind of put my head down. And I fall asleep. And when I wake up, they're like giving the put your seatbelt speech on, you know what I'm saying? But I'm kind of like, the woman's on me, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> like... If you don't know Vaughn, he's he's a big, big about guy. About 6'2", 6'3", right? So I'm in the corner, and there, um, I felt like I got to get off this plane. So I hit the button, I'm like, boom! And the woman comes, and I'm like, I need to get off the plane. And she's like, sir, we've, we're already rolling down the thing, we can't do anything now. So she hits the button and walks back. Like, real disrespectful. I'm like, not understanding my feelings at the moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I hit it again. Boom. Maybe she comes you back again. Me. Ma'am, I don't think you understand. I need to get off this plane. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. she says, sir, we're already about to take off. We're going down the runway. We're not going to be able to move. We're just going to have to wait till we get to, the, to our next city. Yeah. She walks off again. So I sit there. I get up. I walk to the back. I tell her, ma'am. I need you guys to turn this plane around and get me back to the gate. And she says, you're going to need to sit down. You can't be back here. I look at her. I look at the, the door with the wheel and the, and the shoe. I look at her. I look at the door with the window and the, and the little wheel that she could jump out. And she sees a look in my eyes, and she says, okay, sir, sit down. Let me talk to the, to the uh, so she calls the pilot. The pilot. And she talks to him, and then um, I hear over the thing, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're going to have to go back to the gate. We've got somebody that doesn't want to fly with us today. <laughs> so I don't know if y'all have ever been saved and, like, had to walk down to the front for the altar call, but that, <laughs> that whole walk from the back of the plane to, like, to the front, I had white ladies looking at me like, these big, sorry, soft punk. I get off the plane. There's four officers waiting on me, and I just talk. I say, "Man, I just I had to get off the plane." But for whatever reason, I just had this like claustrophobic feeling, and I flew. I flew after that. I went to England after that. I went to Brazil after that. But after that, I just bro, I just never it's really just like anxiety or anxiety, what was it? man, anxiety, claustrophobic, whatever you call it. But I just, I just after that, I just had issues, bro. So. Okay. I haven't been in a rush. I've flown a few times, but I just haven't been in a rush to get back on the plane. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll do it again, but I think the Lord just wanted me to have a, a local ministry. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, what, that's what I think the Lord he was speaking to me. He wanted you to hit all the gas so, stations you know on the way. You know what I mean? So Dave loves me enough to not let me arrest it. After it first happened, I was sending these videos yeah. to people freaking out on airports. I said, this guy has no sensitivity right here. This, 
no no chill on this guy right now. Oh, very good. All right, man. Ron, I want to tell I want to tell you, man. Uh, I love you. Yes, sir. The, the greatest too, thing man. the greatest thing I've ever seen is the uh, you build the relationship with your family, and that Amen. was that was my my heart's desire is to to really to show you. Uh, what God meant for a relationship between the yeah, husband man. and wife and the father, and I just I'm so proud of you Amen. and everything that you have accomplished. It's a uh, my pleasure to call you friend. Oh, same here, bro. And uh, you, man. love you guys. Let your family know that we love them. Amen. And uh, hopefully we do this soon. Yeah, let's do it again. All Amen. right, Amen. we love you. This is the Refuge Project.